phone turned off. All right, this let's not have it ring. This is possibly the longest we've gone from end of movie to starting podcast. Yes, it is indeed. Well, are we starting already? Did, did we re, did we rewatch Pilgrim's Progress or did we just talk about it? We rewatched it. We watched it, so we that one didn't have it away. Okay, hi everyone. <laughs> it's me, my parents, and Liam Neeson, where hi. we talk about movies that Liam Neeson is in and, and how much peril he's in. How much peril he's in. I. You are. I'm Daniel. I'm Patrick. I'm Carrie. And this is a special, not on normal day edition, because when he, he new movies happen. We have to go see him in theaters, and this movie called Ordinary Love uh, was released in the U.S. a couple of weeks ago, but it took us quite a while to find it at a theater. Yeah, and it's only showing at one theater in our large metro area. In it's in the south end. It's in kind of the well. I, it's the it is the theater in this metro in our metro area that shows independent films. Yes, and. I that will transition us into other things because because we'll talk about the whole theater going experience in this film. Well, for so sure, forth. we also need to talk about the Oscars because they've happened. The Oscars just recently. Happened. Yes, and That's in fact, uh, Mom, do you remember the two other films showing at that theater at this time? Um, Parasite. Parasite and, and Portrait of a Girl on Fire. Portrait, Portrait of, of a Girl on Fire. Portrait of a Girl on Fire. I. Is was directed by uh, Roman Polanski, okay. who is famous, f- famous, and also apparently has some like scandal, like very serious scandal going on with him. And I don't pay attention he, to that. He apparently, because I was looking at news, and mm-hmm. he that film won an award in France, and people left the building after he got the award in protest. In France? Oh, I yeah. heard something about yeah. that. Now, oh, just because he's a despicable character? But I don't remember, was it the subject matter that was... No, it's him. As oh, a really? Oh, Him well. as a person has done bad things. Oh, okay. well. Yeah. Mom says uh, no. I, now, Parasite is much more interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. I looked that up a little bit. That looked like Because it won Best film. Picture. Yeah. And Best Director and Best Screenplay. And it was a foreign film. And Best Foreign yeah. Film. Yeah. It is the first... First film, first non English language film to win Best Picture. Yeah. Right. First right. South Korean submission to be nominated for and win Best International Feature Film. Sure. Uh, four awards, so got the most. Ford and Ferrari, Joker, mm-hmm. and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood got a couple. 1917 right. got a couple. Toy Story 4 is in there, of course. Jojo Rabbit. Uh, Rocket Man, again. Oh, yeah, that's the. Not, not Rocketeer. That's a different movie. <laughs> Rocket Man. This this was a pretty good year of film, mm-hmm. especially with uh, you know a foreign film winning best picture. Right, right. Uh, the other uh, stat I saw, which was really interesting, is Joaquin Phoenix winning for Joker makes that the second character to have more than one actor win best actor for portraying him. Well, I just think that's awfully big stretch because. Him and Heath Ledger for the Joker, mm-hmm. and then two different people. Well, that's just because Heath Ledger died. He did a good he, he he did a good job in that movie, also. And then he died. And then he died. I uh, but I uh, two different people have done Marlon Brando's part in The Godfather. Yeah, and so they both won as well. So that's this. this but we have film, to talk about this yeah, film. This film would have an uphill battle to do to match up with even just the you know non-mainstream films because mm-hmm. they were winning Best Picture. Right. Well, I think this is 
this is very much a niche film. Oh, definitely. Very much a niche film. I think it was, um, it seemed to move painfully slow. And I think that that, that must have been a directorial mm-hmm. That was a decision they decision made. That was very clear. To, uh, to there was a lot feel. of waiting yeah. mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah. Before we get into that, if you want to talk about your theater experience, we should do that before we get to the actual well, because Unless, I don't, I don't want our podcast people followers are are like two friends that yeah. follow us. So the zero to Neeson is of course zero. Yeah, he's in right at the beginning. But then we have to remember that this is a very much an independent film that was only at this one tiny little theater. Yeah. Now this is you have to picture yourself in a theater that was last updated and decorated in the year nineteen eighty four. You know, with a very some of you might not have been around in 1984. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, some uh, pretty outlandish. It looks like it was supposed to be Art Deco meets 1984 carpet. Mm, yeah, some, probably about uh, that. Peach colored super graphics, which would be 1984 meets 1974 on the walls. Looks like they just painted them a new color, but left the graphics, and it was. Um, We've got, you know, chipping paint. We've got, uh, you know, lavender-colored handrails, faded, peachy, velvet seats. Kind of surprising um, in the community where this is that it's in that kind of condition. This yeah, is an upscale actually. community, but this theater just well, runs these independent films. Well, it's an upscale films. community, but also, like, the wa- the sidewalk. We were going up with the cobblestones that mm-hmm. were Well, they're broken cobbles, yeah. Like that. Like, it feels the, like the front of everything looked very nice. Mm-hmm. So it, and I've been to this theater before, so no surprises. This is just one of those things where you think it's 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 kind of sad that you, in order to see an independent film, you have to go to some place that feels very much second rate. Yeah, unless you go to a film festival, but then you're it's a it's not like it's a normal event. Correct. Correct. So, and last time um, we went to a film festival, we watched a very weird movie. So, we, but the one thing that that really got me was I used the restroom before the film started, and this is how old this theater is. There are ashtrays in the bathroom. I do not believe smoking is allowed in the theater. Smoking is not allowed, but there are still in uh, in while recessed hmm. smoke or ashtrays in the theater restroom. That's how old this wow. theater is. So I just thought, yeah. that's a blast from the past. Those of you who were definitely born before 1984, you have no idea how much smoking we we put up with indoors yeah. growing up. Yeah. Anyway, let's yeah. talk about the film. Yep. There's there's not a lot of ac- actors nope. at all. Nope. There are four above the line. Yep. That's it. I, one of them, I looked at his stuff, did not find out a whole lot about mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. I, well, and this is an Irish film. Irish produced. Irish, Irish English we are uh, assuming filmed in Ireland. I I would assume so. Most of the accents of the people were more on the British side than the Irish side. So, but, it, st- but it was also not necessary to the plot to be told. Correct. Uh, mm-hmm. Leslie Manville uh, is mm-hmm. the is the lead across from Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's done a lot of stuff, mostly right. uh, theater. Right. Uh, As You Like It, 1985. Six Degrees of Separation, 2010, nominated for an Olivier Award. We in talked 2011. about it earlier today. She won the Olivier for her role in the 2013 revival of Ghosts, four-time BAFTA nominee. Wow! So 
The reason why we don't know about her is because we live in America and not England. She'd probably be more recognizable to us if we lived over there. Uh, her current thing is the sitcom Mum, mm-hmm. which she's been the lead in in that. Uh, she's played uh, Margaret Thatcher. Mm-hmm. She played Mrs. Fleming in the uh, Bond, like, Ian Fleming biopic. Oh, oh really? So, she's a pretty big deal. Uh, and the other person that we'd want to pay attention to is David Wilmot, who played Peter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was one of the only people that, uh, as, we'll, as we'll discuss, there's not a lot of characters in this film that had to show emotion. Correct. Which made it easier for, for other people. Uh, Bill, uh, Bill, David, David Wilmot. I looked up some of the stuff he's done. He's done a fair amount of stuff. He's... Uh, he's a working actor. Uh, Tony Award nominated hmm. in 2006. Okay. So he's done pretty good stuff. We also have seen him before. We have. We have, though we didn't definitely... I was trying to visualize We definitely him. did not talk about him. Yeah? Because I had to scroll all the way back. In this man's filmography? In, in this filmography. man's filmography. Because his first appearance... <gasps> Wait a minute. ...as an actor is 1987, which is not the where we saw him. Okay. We saw him in 1996 as Squad Youth in Michael ah, Collins. In Michael Collins. Because it was an Irish film. And he was just some dude in the background. Wow. And ten years later, he would be nominated for a Tony Award. Wow. Well, so good for him, working he actor. Was, yep. He was a skinnier guy back then. Here, Let's he, just say. He was a little more... Well, he would look like a middle-aged yeah, man. And as well he should. That was the part he was playing. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're not going to talk too much about the specifics of this one, not necessarily because good or bad, we're trying to save it mm-hmm. from people, but the title Ordinary Love, possibly too, it's possibly too ordinary. I think it possibly was a spoiler alert to, yeah. to what you're going to get in this film. In that, yes, you all the bigger budget you have, the more bombastic of a story you can tell, generally. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. kind of the way that mm-hmm. things work. You mm-hmm. have the, a lot of money you... You make the Avengers. If you don't have a lot of money, you don't make the Avengers. That kind of thing. But this kind of went... I don't think they went out of their way to make things be normal people, but... No, I think they did. It felt... It f- as it felt it, let's just say normal. as a couple that's been married for nearly it forty seemed years. Like they did the the lead actors did a really good job of of portraying um, mature married a long time normal people. people. And and for Patrick people. and me, yeah, that that feels that's like a, that, that felt like, oh yeah very almost comfortable. Yeah, that though we could I could identify with those people yeah. because they would they would. They would uh, 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 banter, rib each other, banter. Yes, mm-hmm. that's a very good way to describe it. Banter, um, and and yet at the same time, you could tell they they actually do have affection for one another. Mm-hmm. You know. Now, part of my problem with all of that is if they're too normal, then why did we drive forty minutes and pay dollars? Yeah. to see normal people. Yeah, we you. It doesn't have to be the Avengers. But I was going in there kind of expecting to be told an interesting story. And yeah, it's not bland. It wasn't an hour and a half of people going to work every day and then coming back and, you know, sharing it was, half a pizza. But it was just, just a story about the life experience of 
these primarily no. these four people. Yeah, because all of the other actors were very much in yeah. the perf- periphery. There were four. I mean, there were a couple of doctors yeah. that spoke to them, yeah. but there were four people in this film that were required in their contract to have a range of emotion. Yeah, I don't believe anyone else in this film had to show more than one emotion. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Well, I Which also saved them on their budget. I'm sure. Well, it felt almost like a documentary almost. in that. Mm-hmm. It was chronicling everyday life and the, you know, some of the ups and downs of somebody experiencing cancer treatment, mm-hmm. but it almost felt like it was a sanitized documentary. You know, we weren't getting all the nitty yeah, gritty. That's true. Yeah. We got we got kind of the high points and the low points, but they were cleaned up and mm-hmm. made pretty for us to go and. I don't know. I think parts of it were not particularly pretty, but yeah, you know. But but to get that range of emotion you're talking about, the range of the character, you kind of needed to see the uh, the highs and the lows. Yeah, which I think they did okay. And we did, but and they didn't emphasize the lows. I think the lows could have been lower, and I think the highs could have been higher. I think there were a lot. There were a lot of times when it was a lot of middle ground. It was very Mm -hmm. much middling, which then feels ordinary. Yeah. And the slow parts, like you were talking about, they had more than once where they showed the same three shots of the empty house. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was only like 15 seconds, maybe, mm-hmm. each time. But at the mm-hmm. same time, it felt like a student putting extra carriage returns in their essay. So it makes you know, it more I pages. Think, I think that, I think that, the, like you said, Carrie, it was a directorial decision. In, in the story, it was... I think they really wanted us to feel the waiting of what they were going through. It was, And there were situations like when she was waiting for treatment and there were three women in the room. Yeah. And, and one woman goes out for surgery and the next woman goes out for and surgery. And she waits again. And then they she waits again. And they yeah. show her... Waiting. Yeah, two empty spaces. Yeah, that... And, and it's basically silence or if yeah. there was music, it was insignificant. That I appreciated, you know? but that's because it was one shot basically of let's look at them waiting mm-hmm. yeah the house is not anyone waiting the house is just there's no one in the house but it was empty and i think the fact it was empty was yeah. a statement of in itself correct but it didn't didn't need all three shots of the house but remember you were the youngest person in the theater today yeah i did not <laughs> add, i did not pull the audience i just looked around and i'm fairly certain i was the youngest person in the audience I want to know how many of those old ladies were surprised at the <laughs> naked woman that was on screen for not that long. No. I did read one review, someone that had said the, uh, you know, the goodbye to her breasts scene to this review, to that reviewer felt intrusive as it was a, a tender moment that felt like uh, this person as a, uh, as a viewer felt like, they, they were should. intruding on something that should have been private. Which is... Hmm. And kind of, I think I yeah, could see that. But that's yeah. also kind of the case with but that was all the case film with a lot of where it. you have, you know, tender moments mm-hmm. is in a real world, if you're having this tender moment and there was a guy with a camera and a boom mic, yeah. it would be really weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. But I think that for us, I mean, just that I, I wanted there to be something more to the story. I wanted there to be some takeaway for me. Instead of me just feeling like a voyeur the, looking at the their life. The takeaway of this one was very clearly 
spend time with your loved ones, you don't know how much time you have. I don't know that I necessarily got that. That's they told me that. That's, they told you They that. told yeah. me that, but they, I, they, the story did not give it to me. That was the story for Peter and Steve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. we got over the course of the last third of the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the movie was over. And then there was upbeat music and there was more color. Yeah. I was kind of not surprised how they ended the movie. Neither was I, because we had... Because I saw them, they're going on their walk, and they go around the tree, and then as they walked away from the tree, the tree stayed in focus, and they they went out of focus, which I thought, a photography, a videography decision. And divided the screen exactly in half, which that bothered me. And I thought, oh, this must be the end of the movie. Rule of thirds, people. Mm -hmm. Uh, It also was Mm -hmm. uh, bookended with the same time of year, and the uh, asymmetry of one of them... Forcing the other around the tree at the start, and then they switch roles at mm-hmm. the end. Yeah. Uh, but I. But very different music beginning yeah. and end. Very different. I definitely flipped through mm-hmm. some IMDb reviews, and uh, one of them said that it ended very abruptly, and I mm-hmm. kind of feel that where it's kind of like there could have been more significance to the story. Like yeah, you said. I don't know. Like, if the story had gone another 20 minutes, I wouldn't have been upset, but that would have increased the budget significantly. Well, and it <laughs> seemed, the movies, to me, how long was it? An hour, hour and a half. half. Mm-hmm. It seemed long. Because well, it we was, were waiting. Because we were of waiting. the waiting. Because yeah. we were waiting, and it was but intentional it that we were waiting. It didn't feel like a long movie that we wanted to watch a long movie yeah. of. Right. Which one right. was the one where Dad wasn't here, and we did, we never felt like there was a pee break? Oh, I don't Monster know. Monster Ghost. Monster calls. Monster calls. Monster calls. Yeah. That was a good one. I, which I think at the rate I'm going to record, we're recording, I'm going to just put this up right away so the, the people on the podcast haven't heard about a Monster Calls yet, technically, but <laughs> that one you'll hear is an example where we didn't feel like there was any point to go take a bathroom break. Right. You want, you had to pause the movie. You had to pause the movie. This one. Ugh. Pick it any time. It doesn't any matter. Any time you could go take a bathroom break. Right, right. You wouldn't Pretty have missed much. that much. You really wouldn't have missed mm-hmm. anything. There were a couple of dialogue interchanges that were kind of important. There were punctuations. That you didn't want to miss. Yeah. But, but nothing. But you would have figured out the story yeah. without it. Yeah. I think maybe like the one fight they had was the one where yeah. it could not be wrapped up for you by you coming back in and going, what did I miss? And you know what? And that, five seconds later you're back on track. I think that fight felt like a reach. It felt like, really, why are you doing this? You know? I mean, it, I mean, it, I think they, the intent was to, to emphasize the stress that they were both under from the standpoint of emotional stress. Yeah, right. Which I inferred whether which or not it was made there or sense. not. Yeah. But, but the, what, I mean, it was kind of one of those arguments that, why are you arguing about this? Right. You know, kind of a situation. One of the things I did appreciate from a screenwriting and uh, videography sense is, they never had to have a little thing on the bottom saying what month it was. Right. True. It was yeah. always easy to infer from dialogue and layout what time of year it was, which yeah. helped with the passage of time. We They did well with the passage of time. Yeah. It was always part of the dialogue, and they never had to have someone go, ah, it's December. Mm-hmm. It was always yeah. clear. Yeah. So that I liked. Oh, I... But, but I'm not sure that I would spend time and effort to find this film i would i would watch it for free yeah i wouldn't recommend somebody go to a theater to see it probably not i also on the imdb reviews i was telling dad uh that i just need to read the 
header for this okay. one. It's two out of ten stars. The worst movie of Liam Neeson. Oh. No, it isn't. <laughs> Which oh. we own the podcast. <laughs> oh no. We can we can disagree with this because <laughs> we oh, have watched we've seen almost the all of we've them. We've watched most of them. At Although this point. the worst movie that we shall not be named. Yeah. His acting in that movie wasn't bad. Well, the we, movie was yeah, bad. Yeah, but we can discuss, but... <laughs> say, Excalibur, Crawl. Yeah, right. The, it was Pilgrim's Progress, Christiana. We can discuss those where... Like a bunch. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in any case, Peril on this one, I think, is still going to be... It's like a zero. He smokes a cigarette once. He smokes a cigarette. <laughs> there was plenty of stress, but there was no peril. There was definitely no peril on this one. Yeah, he wasn't even... Threatening to get in the car accident or anything. No. You know, no. He, he took his eyes off the road at one point when they were driving on the back of a trailer. <laughs> they were... It No, there was no peril. No peril. Zero peril. I don't think his Sorry. wife buying extra Brussels sprouts equals peril. No, they, they did shop together. He drank a beer. He drank a beer. Is that peril? No. He drank more Not than one beer. Not a beer. Because yeah, when they were shopping, he was buying beer each time they were shopping. I say if they went that's shopping what you at least need, two times, maybe three times. If that's what helps your relationship, people, it's good to know <laughs> what you need in your relationship. Right. That's what I'm saying. I'll mark it a zero. All right. Well, stay tuned. Thank you for listening to our our podcast. We love you, people. Okay. Bye. <laughs> bye.